Hey y'all, I'm Tori and welcome to the Ebony Expats podcast, where we're going to explore the journey and stories of different travelers and expats out here killing it, doing their thing abroad and living their best lives, y'all. My very first conversation was a really, really good, inspiring conversation with a dope CEO, William Gilchrist. He's lived abroad for over 15 years. He had traveled to 22 countries by the age of 12. And it was just really inspiring to talk to him. You know, in our conversation, you're gonna hear him give advice about realizing our potential, moving away from the in the box mindset, understanding that our thoughts become things. And, you know, we actually touched on this a little bit because in the beginning, I give a brief rundown about how I manifested this podcast at the beginning of the year. William tells me that I probably had aligned my chakras. And, you know, I really resonate with that stuff because there's a lot of power in us taking control of our thoughts. And so this conversation is all about that. It's really inspiring. This is great for the person who is thinking about traveling, moving overseas, just starting something wherever you are. And if you have any stories that you want to share, any questions that you have for Ebony Expats, any stories or any motivational messages that you want to share with other Ebony Expats or other travelers around the world, drop us a voice message on Instagram at Ebony Expats or send us a message on Anchor. And thank you for being here. I appreciate you. I hope that this inspires you and I'm excited to get into it. This is my first podcast. You are literally the first person. When I, I did a vision board earlier this year and I'm not really into doing vision boards, but I was there because it was like an event that I was supporting. And so I just like took stuff that resonated with me. Like it ended up being this, white paper with 15 things of even that and it's just like spread out and just like little photos and stuff already a lot of the stuff that i put on there has already come and it's so crazy and like one of the photos is take a microphone like this okay and that's crazy because now i'm sitting here with this microphone microphone. talking to you okay like thank you for the same color no it's not the same color but i'm gonna find you're gonna show me the mic okay cool yeah, because I think that's, like, really crazy, you know? It's like, we really it's have to universe. manifest. If you see it, it will come into existence. Exactly, exactly. Your thoughts become things. That's very true. That's true. I agree with that. I'll let you see it. So I'm I'm just showing you my story because I saved it. So this is it right here. Oh, and there's a mic there. Exactly, there's a mic oh. there. There's money. There, there is... This says penthouse rooftop. I'm moving to a new apartment this year, mm-hmm. and I'm on the penthouse floor of the building. It was, like, so crazy. I had been looking for three months for an mm-hmm. apartment. And, you know, that's not really, like, Bangkok. Like, Bangkok, you can find something really quick. And I was having a hard time. Sounds like you balanced your chakras. Mm-hmm. Your crown chakra mm-hmm. has met your root chakra, and everything is coming now. Oh. Okay. I like that. I actually went to your energy a, is true. That's what it is. That, yeah, I agree. So then this is the apartment. And then I also had this on there, like hair and makeup, because I would like to be a part of projects where I need to be need my hair and makeup done, right? Like by yeah. a team. And then this happened mm-hmm. six weeks ago. And it was on the set of a Spike Lee film. Wow, so you met Spike Lee? I met Spike Lee. Awesome. He's funny. He's really funny. And then yeah, I I had a podcast interview earlier this year. That I was interviewed for. So I'm not really the first. 
You are the first on my show. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> You're the first person of my show. I was pretty interviewed. excited. Oh, my. I was being interviewed, you know, like similar to how you've been interviewed. And talk cool. to me a little bit about some of the things that you've done here in Asia um, over the past 15 years. Uh, some of the things that I've done in Asia. Wow, that's a really expansive. That question. is professionally. I've worked, I've worked a lot. Um, well, Originally, I came to Asia 22 years ago as a 13-year-old boy. I was in China. I was a student ambassador as a kid. So Mm the U.S. government picks 14 kids, and every government picks 14 kids, and they send them to overseas for a year. Um, So I was able to be fortunate enough to go to China. And actually, thoughts become things, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing you were saying. When I was nine years old, I had a trip to China on my Christmas list. And my mom laughed about it. And then when I was 13, I got to go to China. Right. Yeah, so That's that was crazy. actually really interesting. But um, in terms of my professional career, uh, originally I came to Singapore. Well, I was in China teaching in public school. Mm-hmm. And then I became a media relations manager for a Hungarian company. It was like a who's who publication. Kind of like LinkedIn on paper before LinkedIn was really like a thing. Right. And I, so I worked in kind of the corporate sector in Shanghai for a while. Then went to graduate school in Beijing, and then I moved down to Singapore to work in a uh, lead generation company uh, called TSL Marketing, which mm-hmm. is a, a Boston-based lead generation firm that really services IBM, but then we service Adobe and Amazon and a bunch of other clients. And from there, while in Singapore, I was serving that uh, particular account for IBM, right. and then got picked up by Google to be on the sales team. Uh, so I was on the sales team. I was in Google for a little bit over four years. The first three years, I was just on the sales team. And then the latter year, I was um, head of knowledge for one particular sector of Google. Mm-hmm. And my job was to go around the world for Google and help them set up their vendor sales teams. So that's kind of where uh, I learned how to set up sales teams and small pods globally, keeping the cost down and getting interviews and getting you know someone who doesn't know anything about Google products, get them to be effective sellers and how long will it take and setting up the training programs and really just kind of looking at the metrics. From there, I left and went into the startup world. The joke is nobody leaves Google for like another big company. You kind of leave Google to start your own thing or build a startup, right? Mm. So I ended up going to the startup world. Uh, I worked in an inventory management company, software company. I was director of sales for and learned a lot about process. Then moved on to kind of a portfolio management style company. I won't say their name, but, uh, then from there, uh, I was also vice president of a med tech company called uh, MyDoc, and then started Consig. That's kind of my story. Okay. That's Professionally. Cool. There's a lot more in between that, but hey. We'll, we, we, you know we'll what? I want to know about that type of stuff, too. But, okay, so when you were working for IBM, and then you... Well, for TSL Marketing, we were TSL. contracted to focus on IBM. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so then you were picked up by Google. How did that kind of happen? Was it like through networking? So when I first got to Singapore, I was networking quite a bit. And Google was really making, this had to be 2010, 2011. Uh, Google was making a big push for people who understood Asia and understood the West as well. Mm -hmm. They were doing a heavy recruitment for people with cold calling backgrounds, with outbound sales experience. That's really what they were looking for is outbound sellers. And it was really difficult for them to kind of pick up that talent right, you know right. it's google so they were looking everywhere and um i remember getting um the work that i was doing was just getting out there in, in the market in singapore and 
had a recruiter call me and said, hey, would you be interested to you know, apply and interview for Google? And I laughed. I'm like, the last thing they're going to do is pick me up. Like, right. I'm just a cold caller or whatever. And then um, went through a whole bunch of interviews and ended up getting a, getting a role there, which okay. was absolutely amazing and kind of life-changing a little bit. So what made you go into the startup world? Well, after a few years in Google, you start to do a natural thought process of, am I really that good or is it just the label, you know? And it's natural. I mean, Google encourages you to go out, go explore, you know, you can always come back. Yeah. You know, it's not like a place where you can't go back. It's a one big happy family kind of thing, mm-hmm. a little bit too happy. So you, in some ways, lose sight of what's real, you know? And I wanted to go out there. I wanted to try something new. Uh, I learned so much there. Things that were way above the things that I would have learned elsewhere that right. I wanted to try them out in the jungle. Right. You know, um, the quote my dad always used, which I have to borrow here, is, do you want to be a cat in a castle or a lion in a jungle? Mm-hmm. I mean, a cat in a castle has a really great life, right? right. You know, a cat, you, know, you get your milk, you get to sit by the fireplace all the time, but you're still a cat in the castle. Yeah. Or do you want to be a lion? Now, your food's not going to be as guaranteed. I mean, but you're a lion, right? I mean, yeah. you can do what you want. And, in the jungle. Yeah, and I thought that that was Beautiful. particularly interesting. And, you know, you do come to that crossroad. And a lot of people left within, like, the four- to five-year mark. Mm-hmm. A lot of people. And for the same reasons. Kind of like, well, I could stay in this world, and it's very comfortable in yeah. the Google world. But And I can also jump into another company, a HubSpot or Facebook or whatever. For sure. But you're still a cat in a castle. How good are you really? Like, can you really do something on your own yeah. without a label, without a $60 billion revenue company right. label on your business card? And that's the true test. And if you are hired by Google, they do a really good job of vetting people that do have that kind of ambition. So it's not a shock that a lot of people do leave. Right, and exactly. Off because those are the type of people that they hire. People that are like, okay, what's next? What's the new frontier? Like, am I really that good? I know, I know a guy, a really awesome guy in Singapore. He left... Google to start a tech flower company where he does flower delivery. It's a florist. Okay. I mean, Look that's the stuff that you get, right? Right. You know, somebody who started awesome. his own florist company. I mean, it's right. something weird, but super cool because yeah. it's so unique because he went to South America, I think on a Google sabbatical or something mm-hmm. for a month or two and then learned a lot about like the flower industry and came back and was super inspired and started this like digitized florist nice. and got funding and everything. I mean, Whoa. super cool. You know, really? and that's the, that's kind of the stuff that you get from people who leave Google is that you yeah. get like unique, but very like uncommon. Yeah. It's like, like and yeah, yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. That's really cool. So I want to go back to, um, the cat in the castle versus, um, the lion, lion in the jungle. jungle. Yeah. So, you know, like when you first move overseas, you feel like a lion in the jungle. It's a new world. Not new world, new part of the world. You get to explore. You're like, what is going on? And obviously being black, we're still very much like, it's an opportunity to be black overseas because it just, countries are not necessarily used to even seeing black people sometimes. And then you come in and you're like on your shit and you just like get in the door, you come in talking, people are like, oh, okay. You know, and I would say like a reverse privilege in a way. Interesting. Well, I think that, you know, I wouldn't reserve it to blackness. I would reserve it to just being a foreigner. Okay. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why I have to specify that. 
because I would say that, yeah, I mean, being particularly African-American mm-hmm. is a very unique piece as well, because the American piece, when you look at things like the NBA, which is a majority you know, African-American sport, right? Mm-hmm. That is extremely popular in Asia. Interesting marketing branding. So now, whenever you're in Asia Pacific, you know, when I say I'm from Chicago, oh, Michael Jordan, uh, I mean, yeah. immediately that's coming. And right. it's actually a good thing. Yeah. It's a good thing because it's an icebreaker and it's a conversation. But all in all, I would say the privileges of people who aren't from the region is simply just being foreign and being different and being unique. Now, the key thing is unique because you can be a foreigner and not unique at all. That's right. right. And that's something that people could be particularly used to certain types of foreigners always coming in from certain countries and then they have their own perspective of them. But when you are kind of a rarity because Americans don't travel that much. Exactly. And they definitely don't live as expats. No, they don't. And right? then when you talk about black expats, we're really not. Well, that, that's where I was going to go yeah. with it. So then you have even lower numbers. So, you know, um, there is a there is an interest there. Uh, there is a uniqueness there. And, you know, there's some privileges to it. But at the same time, you know, it's all about what we do with that privilege. Because I don't think that privilege gets you necessarily into any more doors Right. Than anybody else, but what I think it does do is allow you to shine with your uniqueness a little bit more. Mm-hmm. To say, like, hey, you know what? Like, not only am I doing this, but I'm also doing this again. I'm not from the region. Right. Blackness aside, whiteness right, aside, right, right. ethnicity aside, you are a foreigner operating in another country. Yeah. That's cool by itself. That is cool. Then you throw the extra piece of, and I'm super rare because, by the way, I also look like this. Right. And you don't see many of me at all. You see a lot of people from my country, but you might not see people that look like me. And then you start talking, you specifically. Me? <laughs> what, <is this? laughs> what about me? What about me talking? Like, it's just like when like, you start talking, I do not expect your voice to sound the way that it does. Really? What do you think my voice is? I put on my super Chicago like, accent. Yo, what up, Joe? Good. I should put on my Chicago accent. What up, Joe? What, what, what it do over there? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I needed a career. Yeah, you got very, it. Got um, it. Neutral. Okay. So yeah, no, that that's how I would gauge uh, blackness or the black diaspora mm. in Asia Pacific, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you know, um, no one analyzes the white diaspora in Asia Pacific at all. Mm-hmm. Why? 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 Why must we do it too? I mean, why? Why? Why must we analyze our blackness here? We're all foreign. Okay. We're equally as foreign as somebody from Australia and Thailand. We're in Bangkok right now, right? Mm-hmm. So an Australian passport and a U.S. passport, that's what it is. We're both foreigners. Yeah. My blackness doesn't that. really matter. In that I scenario. agree with that. And, there, and, and whiteness or, or um, you know, Hispanicness or whatever, that doesn't really factor in. Yeah, you're right. You're just a foreigner. Exactly. Right? And I think that... That's the first thing. Where do you come from? Where do you come from? That's all they ask. Yeah, that's true. And I think that, you know, what... Being a Black American, knowing the history and experiencing that world, sometimes it comes with an element of subconscious baggage when we get overseas. Because we start to focus on, not saying we shouldn't focus on it at all, but we start to focus on things that actually don't have historical context here at all. And the blood's not in the sand here. It never happened here. They're not teaching the realities of what blackness in America is like yeah. or has been like mm-hmm. in public schools in Thailand. Nobody knows. Mm-hmm. Right. So 
I have a really good friend of mine who just moved here from the States. And it's fascinating to see him go through certain experiences and try to attach it to American society. And you're like, this isn't that place. Okay, I agree. You might be moved aside because you're a foreigner more than you mean a black person. Like, and that, and that's honestly maybe the blackness does factor in. Not saying to ignore it, but that's the first one you go to every time. But you haven't factored in the fact that there are a lot of foreigners here who are in the same exact boat or who have the same exact experiences, but they don't attach it to the same historical context because they never had to deal with it. Yeah, of course. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. That's because we have a very specific... Exactly. But what's, but what's fun about that is it's almost mentally healing in a way. That you don't, that agree. you can learn to deal in society that truly has no context mm-hmm. of any of that. There's no yeah. subconscious anything with yeah. society here other than that you're just a foreigner. Right. And that's far healthier, I think, for Black Americans than anything. Because that's like true equality, right? Yeah. And we're all foreign. We're... We're all going to be mistreated. We're all mistreated together. Right. We're all treated well. We're all be treated well together. Mm-hmm. You know, the privilege goes in all ways. So I think that it's um. That's a good point. It's it's a healthier existence. I agree with that. Don't take this and edit it and make it seem like I'm saying ignore. No, of course not. Saying, because I was going to say, like, you know, why do black people have to come in and talk about the diaspora and and dissect that? And it's because the reality is that an American. A black American does not have the same experience as a black European. We don't have the same experience as blacks that are from Africa. And we are not treated the same either. You know? Where? In in Thailand. Like I'm talking specifically about Thailand. I'm like I have seen this. Like you you let's just okay. Let's just say Western blacks versus like blacks from Africa. We're definitely not treated the same way. As soon as they hear an accent. Or well, we're, well, we're from two totally different continents. Yeah, I know, but you mentioned that you don't, you don't, I'm just arguing the point that you made about you don't see why black people have to kind of like peel that layer back. Well, I mean, there's a difference between the blackness being evaluated or treated differently, mm. or are you actually referring to nationality? Those are two different conversations. You're actually, based on what you just said, uh-huh. you're not really making ethnicity point you're making a nationality right okay i mean with nationality comes culture comes language comes an entirely different portfolio of issues that has actually nothing to do with ethnicity but because the countries that you or the continent that you indicated Mm -hmm. is 99.9 percent black we're naturally going to attach ethnicity to to the point right where really it might be a question of passport more than race but okay. that's not to say to ignore it. That's not to say to ignore it. I'm just saying that it's very easy for Black Americans, considering the context of our history, and mm-hmm. I always say that we will jump there very right. quickly. Yeah, and well. what it does is it can limit our ability to think a little bit more macro. Yeah. Because we're so concerned that our story or our struggle is going to be forgotten or we're so attached. To which mm-hmm. we should, but yeah. putting it in context, you can psychologically almost limit yourself mm-hmm. thinking every single issue that happens overseas is attached to your ethnicity. Right. It might be attached to your passport. It might be attached just to you, who you are as a person. Right, right. And it also might be attached to your ethnicity. It may, right? <laughs> but right. Like, 
That's one of three no, options. That, that's a good right? point. That's, that's a one. good way to look at it. And we're from a society, of course, in the States, where a lot of times we would assume, mm-hmm. and we would assume correctly, it's attached to your race. Mm-hmm. I get that. Mm-hmm. But we are from that society. That's actually our baggage. Right. And, I mean, for every scenario where I would have thought ethnicity, my ethnicity played into played mm-hmm. a role in what I do, I have hundreds of examples where I've give, I've been given so much love. I mean, unasked, um, you know, just yeah. I haven't been even looking for the love and the support. I've gotten right. so much support, and my race was never a factor. I mean, I've been out there, you know, lost my passport or something. I mean, just people, just they weren't looking at a black man; they're looking at somebody who's in need. So okay. we don't we don't factor those experiences in mm-hmm. just as much as we would factor in. The instances where we want to quickly attach it to whenever it goes bad, whenever it goes good, mm-hmm. it's oh, this is great, mm-hmm. but we don't attach race to that either, right? So, I don't know, I think I have a very um, neutral perspective on it, which is why I'm always like, I don't ever want to be, and this is a kind of a controversial way of saying it, but you know, when somebody says, Oh, you're uh, this awesome, you're a black business owner, mm-hmm. I find it to be very odd because it's like. Why is that a special caveat? I'm a person. I'm out here. I exist in my right, right. ethnicity. Would you put that label on it? There's nothing wrong with it. And I am a black business owner. I'm totally proud of that. I'm happy about that. Yeah. But why do we have to highlight that? Why can't I just be a business? Why can't I just be a business owner? Oh, and by the way, I also happen to be black. Or hey, this is a business owner. He also happens to be white Australian. <laughs> right. That's that's normal, right? Why am I an abnormal analysis every time? You know, the, I love the, I call it the, the good for you complex. Wow, you started a business. Good for you. That's the real point. Why is it good? Why? Why good for me? Is it a shock? You know? Mm, that that's, is, that's the tough one. Because I see where you're coming from, but it's also, people would argue that, you know, like, the reality is that we are still making strides in becoming, like, doing these things as much as other groups are. It's kind of those things. It's like the black girl magic. Like, ooh, like you're killing it at your job, or you're like you're doing this, and it's like, why would we not be killing you're supposed it? Supposed to. Yeah, exactly. Like, we're you, dope. And you we're, said you couldn't. Yeah, exactly. But the reality is that if we really dig into like the little black girls and boys who are like still living in America, not even I'm just talking about America at this point. It's like the reality is that like we still are very much like. As a whole, we have a lot to still overcome. Because we don't know who we are. Nobody teaches King Mansa Musa in school. It's a rich mm-hmm. man to ever live. And he was the king of the Mali Empire. And he's the person who set the gold standard of prices for gold to this day. No one talks about him. You teaching me something. Someone, exactly. No one talks about him. It's a, that, that's a black man in history mm-hmm. who set the gold standard. He mm-hmm. reigned for Timbuktu. Okay. And that was his right, like, right. library of all that. You know, the idea of Library Alexandra came from Timbuktu. I mean, this is not militant talk. This is historical fact. And if we, we quote unquote, being Black Americans, assume that our historical context started in the 1500s from a boat, then of course you're going to be limited. But yeah. Because we're not teaching who we are. I am no different. I am no, no less capable, I'm no more capable than anybody else here, regardless of their ethnicity. 
And if you truly do love yourself, that's where the equality really comes from. So yeah, if people are walking around believing that they have to make these large strides to move forward or to get to a certain level, then yeah, you're never really going to make it because you think it's a stride. But right. if you talk to somebody and say, well, no, of course, what else would you be yeah. but a success? Yeah. What else right. would you be but great? Right. And what else? Would, that's the thing. If you start by psychologically coming from a place of you got to work really hard to get on it. Well, then, okay, well, that's a different world because mm -hmm. guess what? Other societies and other cultures and other groups are calling their kids kings and queens and they're amazing and awesome. Of course, at a minimum, you're going to be awesome. And you're going to be great. Yeah. You might struggle. You might fail. But that's fine. Everybody does yeah. that. You might okay. have a dip. Yeah. Hey, look, you know what? You, yeah. Well, you didn't finish college. Um, that's okay. You can figure something out. Right. And that's okay if you just want to be an artist. That, right. that, that's good. You know, you do what you got to do. Mm -hmm. That's everybody else on the planet. Why are we under a different criteria where we believe that we need to hit some bar when we are the bar anyway? Right. Everybody's a bar. Nobody has set the bar. There's no human being that's so super heroic that has set a bar. Mm -hmm. I know there's a bar and we're all part of it. You know, some people hit, some people don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that it takes being overseas for a long period of time. To yeah. Free your mind a little bit. A little different. Yeah, it it's is. It's different. I mean, I think that, you know, going home can be very reverse culture shock. Is very oh, yeah. Interesting. Going back home and then seeing the conversations. You know, talking to you know even old friends and even family members, even they're guilty of it. Wow, it's amazing how you can go over there. And you're like, it's not amazing. People do it all the time. That's true. That they is do very it true. All the time. Why is it special? Yeah. When somebody who's Black American does it, it isn't. It should be normal. It should be, but that's not how we treat it. And nobody knows the statistic. It probably is more normal than we believe, actually. But we've never done any data. There's probably plenty of Black American students, so we actually don't have the data. Or whether or not it is happening. We don't know. How many people know I exist? There are probably hundreds, if not thousands, of me walking right. around Asia that we just don't know. That is true. But we're making assumptions because we always sit mm -hmm. in a place of we're naturally sitting there moving ourselves back. That's true. Where everybody's equal, everybody's the same, everybody has the same opportunity, everybody has the same brain. Same 24 hours in a day. It doesn't mean everybody had the same opportunity or the same shortcuts, because yeah. There are some people who need to overcome a little bit more than others, considering the economics or the societal context. Granted, right? Mm -hmm. But if we keep telling people that they cannot win because of that, then they're inevitably going to stay that. Yeah. And we're subconsciously going that. Like that. Every minute. Yeah. Every minute. And it's, it's, it, it's depressing. Yeah. Okay. So turning into travel, I agree with coming overseas. You do have to, it's like you literally have to take your mind and move it out of the box because we're not traveling. We don't do a lot. And so like I moved here and I'm just like, oh my God, this is crazy. And it did feel crazy. And like I have friends who are moving here this week and they're like, oh my God, I cannot believe I'm doing this. Like, this is crazy. And realistically, like, it isn't crazy. Like, the world is out here for us to see. Like, it's, there's so much to see, learn, explore. But it, it, it feels like, like, oh my God, I'm doing something that's so, like, insane and, like, and, but really it's not. But I, I do think that is because we have to, like, take ourselves out of, out of that mindset. Um, 
have you had any type of situations or what what would you say to people who are in that place of needing to build out and get out of that mindset and kind of like dig themselves out and reshape their thinking? And we, is it in the context of African Americans or in the context of people? Anybody, just people traveling. I think that for general travelers as well, I mean, I would base it more on, I think your question is really, in my opinion, is framed around Americans. Because other cultures travel all the time. That's true. You're looking at yes, Europeans, they do. you see Spanish people take three months off, they have yep. it baked into their work yes, when they, they have months, and you see them all over the world right. taking months, six months yeah. off. Yeah. Norwegians are all over the world. Exactly. The French, I mean. What you do find is that Americans tend to have only 14 days. And some people don't even have that. Some people don't even do that, or they go down to Florida. <laughs> right. They go to Vegas. Or, or, or they just go to... Um, Cancun or something. Exactly. You know, or the Caribbean. Right, um, yeah. I think that from an American context, and now I'll probably answer from there, because I, I do believe the rest of the world travels definitely. way more they definitely than Americans do. do. For sure. Uh, even Canadians. Uh, I think that what Americans need to really understand in terms of getting themselves up, is to, one, recognize that there is a mindset. Mm-hmm. That naturally something, if you could have, you could have somebody from Southside, Inglewood, Chicago, mm-hmm. where there are multiple shootings every year. You have one shooting over in Cambodia somewhere, mm-hmm. and they go, oh my God, I'm never going to Cambodia. You hear that they're shooting over there, right. and you're like, you're from Inglewood. Right. I'm like, this is... Yeah, that was one, oh, I hear that, all that was time. one news thing for an entire country, mm-hmm. and you're in a hot zone, <laughs> right? <laughs> of like probably a war zone, right? Right, and you live that every day, and you don't see anything happening. But nope. everything that's foreign and a little bit far out is considered dangerous, and mm-hmm. I think that's more by design. It's a really good way to keep an insulated country, and at the same time, it's the less worldly and the less global Americans are. This is what's hurting us. Now, I think, and our ability to move forward. The mm-hmm. good thing is that we, we are still a huge source of innovation in terms of creating social media, creating platforms for to be sure. able to gather information and be able to, you know, podcasts, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. Now, YouTube, I mean, mm-hmm. it's all American concepts. You know, Facebook, Google, all of this is American stuff. But where we fail a lot of times, and where a lot of these large companies fail, is the lack of global understanding to be able to apply these things into a global context. Mm-hmm. Groupon being one of them, a Chicago-based company, you know, coming into Thailand as well yep. and failing and having to kind of move out and stuff like that. Sorry, Groupon, I did that on the podcast. Um, but that's where Americans are challenged in that we are diverse mm-hmm. from a very U.S.-centric way of being diverse. You come to America and you become 30% American and 70% of where you came from. Yeah. That's actually what we expect. You cannot be 100% of where you came from and exist within American society. Mm. Where you could be completely American and come to Thailand mm-hmm. and you are 100% American yep. and not Thai at all culturally. And that's okay. Which right. one is the real melting pot? Mm. You have to assimilate a little bit more into American society. So as a result of that, people don't need to step too far out of their comfort zone. So mm-hmm. back to your question about how to get out of the mindset, is they need to recognize that. Mm-hmm. I mean, just because you had great Indian food in Brooklyn, New York, right. by a guy who's Indian, right. doesn't mean you went to India. 
It doesn't mean you understand what India is about. And also, you You travel to India. But it's true. Right. You know, like, people have this idea of, I mean, they they eat Chinese food all the time in America. They actually went to China and had Chinese food in China. They wouldn't recognize it. Oh, no. Two different things, two totally different historical contexts, I mean, by different people even. So, for travelers, I think, to get out of that mindset is to recognize that there is a mindset. Mm -hmm. To recognize that... America is the media machine. It's very good at creating narratives for us yes. to get behind. Yes. Look at our political climate, right? I know. Narratives are very attractive. Yeah. And you look at US media, you look at TV shows, you look at lifestyles of rich and famous, aspirations, everything is created in a way to get people to, to you pick a side, right? But mm-hmm. no one realizes that these are two dimensional things for a three dimensional world. Right. When you're given paths, but really, you don't need to take any of those paths. You yeah. don't need to aspire for any of these things. Think outside of the box. Maybe it's okay for you to go to Bhutan and live in Bhutan for a year. There's nothing special about that. That's just cool. Just go do it. Yeah. Right? Americans don't think like that. And recognizing the mindset is the first piece, and then having the courage to really feel comfortable enough to move elsewhere or to at least travel for an extended period of time and really understand where you're at. Don't go stay in the Sheridan. Yeah. You'll actually do yeah. something. Right. I think that would help. Yeah, I agree. Immerse yourself. It's an opportunity to learn. And Sorry, my answers are so long-winded. No, that's good. It's actually really good stuff. And you also kind of tell people off like, yo, well, you, you think you eat Indian food. Y'all not, yeah, eat, yeah, yeah. Y'all not eat Chinese food. Y'all- I love public paneer <laughs> when I come to India. I said, oh, man, this is fantastic. Yeah, like, y'all are not eating Indian food. Y'all not eating Thai food, Chinese no, food. No. You know what I mean? <laughs> you got to be there. You got to have the local water right. in the food. I mean, then it's real, right? Otherwise, it's a rendition. This is very true. That is very true. You, I feel like you're like answering a lot of this stuff. Let's take a break. All right, y'all. So we have talked about a lot with William. And of course, there is so much more that we can talk about. But from this first part, we have gained a lot. We've learned a lot. And we've touched on different things like the opportunity of being a foreigner living overseas. We also touched a lot on truly loving ourselves and realizing our potential so that we can live, explore, excel, and do anything that we put our minds to. And really, that is the essence of Ebony Expats. The objective for Ebony Expats is to educate, inspire, and empower. I hope that this is inspiring anyone listening to this and I'm excited to go more into travels, living La Vida Loca, and even dating life. And guess what? Yes, he is single. And that is me sending the eye emoji to all the ladies out there who always ask me about dating and Black single men living overseas. <laughs> all right. So here's more about what William enjoys in different cities when he travels and about dating. Here we go. Hey. Here we go. What's up, Sorry, We're back after my break. What's okay, going on? What's up? How are you doing? Is that, I'm is good. That good. Yeah, I'm good. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Okay, cool. All right, so let's kind of change it to your travels. Um, how many countries have you gone to? Before the age of 12, I had already been to 22 countries. Really? Yes. Wow. My mom is a children's book author illustrator and uh-huh. a fine artist and she really is always really big on travel 
and really putting our kids into international exposure. Even though my sister hasn't traveled out of the country um, ever, but ever um, how, for me, how old is she? she's twelve years older than me. Oh, so I would be surprised. Okay. Or accident or plan. I don't know. <laughs> um, but you can't tell me. Yeah, <laughs> but I showed up. You right. know, what's important is that I'm here. How I got here, I'm not quite sure. My mom was right. 35 when she had me. She, she was my age, you know, she had me. Uh-huh. So I was like, hmm, well, sounds like a whoops. Right. I don't know. That could be a whoops. But anyway, she was really big on me not having very conventional mindsets. I mean, I was raised in the suburbs. She's one of 14 kids. Like, she was really big on me not being in like a Chicago mindset or even an American mindset, just really like this kid's got to be global, you know, whatever he wants to do as long as it's globally minded. I don't think she really planned on me living and moving overseas Okay. in her mind, but right. she kind of created the monster a bit because okay. I was always every year we were somewhere and all that. Then did a lot of travel uh, post-college mm-hmm. as well. Then of course uh, doing business in Asia. I mean, I, I can't even count how many countries I've been in. I mean, I've been in, what, 17 cities in the last three months. Yeah. So, you travel a lot. So, like, I mean, I don't know how many countries I've been in. A, a lot. Uh, right. I mean, even APAC alone, I think I've been everywhere except for Myanmar. Really? Yeah. Wow. And Laos. Okay. But I plan to go. So. A long time. Yeah. A lot of places. Which one was your favorite? Or like, what, what kind of vibes do you like the most? Vibes. I love people. I feel like every country, you could never be, I, I feel like people that are like very like nationalist or like very like bigoted in some kind of way, I feel like they just haven't traveled because every place has amazing food. Mm-hmm. Every place has really cool music. Every place has really cool vibes. Every culture has so much to deliver and, you know, Everywhere has beautiful women. So, hey, like, why would you ever be linear? You know, so I find that a lot of the issues that we have are, as a world, are usually run by individuals who haven't had much exposure to a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. You know, going to, you know, Hayam, Italy, and then I was in Zimbabwe last year. I mean, just every place is just so cool in its own way. And has so much uniqueness but similarities and you see ultimately people are just people so to say that i have a favorite i mean the world right every everywhere is cool you know in its own way yeah maybe not mississippi but <laughs> that was random hey, look i gotta throw a shot at mississippi at any point why just because you gotta do it you gotta do it i'm a, I'm, I'm a northerner we don't yeah. get south in the mason dicks i know you're from the south and all, i am but, you know we're so i'm like what we're like what what are you doing right now we're not the same I know we're not. <laughs> I are uh, believe you know, me, I know. People from the yeah, south are like way. You guys different. are super friendly. Yeah, I know. We're yeah. really friendly. You guys are way too friendly. It makes us uncomfortable. I'm annoyed. We're like, why are you so nice? And y'all are so cold. Yeah, of course, we're cold. But yeah, we have like a lot of more sunshine. Beautiful as like it's just it's, it's always nice. Like Texas, even when it's really hot, is still like pretty and like you want to be outside and you want to have barbecues and picnics and you know it's nice almost as if it wanted to be its own country at one point it's so beautiful it is so unique it's almost as if it could have been its own country (laughs) i'm throwing shots all right i'm out here shooting shooting on the podcast trying it what's up 
All right. So traveling a lot, like wh- where is your base at? I live in Singapore. So do um, you actually feel like, are you settled there? Or like totally, you feel nomadic? Totally. I'm totally settled in Singapore. My dog is there. Um, yeah. Kind of dog there. I have a local Singaporean mix. That's uh-huh. how Singaporean I am. I got a Singaporean dog. Oh, you know? look at you. She looks like a beagle Jack Russell thing. And she is my heart. Mm-hmm. She's a woman in my life. Nice. So you're single? Recently. Oh. Separated. Separated. Very briefly. Where are you? Yeah. Are you okay? I'm great. So how long ago was that? A few months ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm recently separated. Re- that's really, really, really yeah, recent. Yeah, really recent. It's crazy. So are you like out here just like living it up? Living it up? Like eating I'm, out out here, I'm out here working. Grinding. Yeah, I gotta work. And ultimately, okay. I mean, you know, I mean, there's just uh, things work out, things don't. Did you meet her? Where, where'd you meet her at? Uh, in Shanghai, actually, but uh, she's from Hong Kong. Oh, okay. How, how has dating been overseas, like, all together? Dating overseas. Is it dating anywhere else? Do you date? What type of woman do you Like, you, you date people Every from anywhere? Everyone on the planet. Uh, okay. Everyone on the planet. I mean, I think that uh, people are people. It just kind of goes to my original thing. I mean, everything is the same. Mm-hmm. You know, just... Everything being, is the same. Being, 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 being <laughs> everything is the same. <laughs> Everything's the same. But I mean, I think, you know, being from like a different country sometimes makes it more interesting because, you know, you might not necessarily do things the same way or think about things the same way. Or yeah. That view, is cool. View family the same way. That's true. Um, yeah. That's yeah. that is very true. Makes it fun sometimes. Yeah. You meet, I meet like so many people that are from like all over. And it's just like even their different ways of saying things is it's so cool to like hear it and learn it and like accents are so amazing to me. Yeah, yeah. Like it's so beautiful. Well, accents are fun. Yeah, they it's are. Well, for an American who has a monotone one, right? And I hear accents and like you know, hello from London. You're like, oh man, I know. I said that it is again. awesome. Where are you from? And you just yeah. say something, <laughs> just, right? Just again, please. just say hello. Like, seriously. And then as soon as we speak, they're like, oh, you're from America. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you heard that before. Yeah. You see all your movies. Exactly. That's the difference. Okay. So for people who are looking to start a business, travel, be nomadic, even though I know that you don't feel nomadic, what kind of advice do you have for them? Um, to really experience the places that they're going to. Come in with an open heart and kind of a clean slate and learn. A lot of times Westerners tend to believe that they have everything figured out and everything's right, you know? Um, and when they show up, they see things that are very familiar, right? Whether it be, you know, franchises in, in media and stuff like that. But it doesn't That's necessarily right. mean that the local environment doesn't have anything to give. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have anything to teach you. Like even like spiritually for me, right? I mean, there are elements of Buddhism that have been fascinating for me, you know? And as, Somebody who is the son of a uh, you know uh, sanctified Baptist father and an Ethiopian Jewish mom, you know, was already in a kind of a religiously mixed home, mm-hmm. and it's fascinating to come into Asia and learn things like Buddhism and Hinduism and stuff like that. And even though I'm not you know Buddhist or I'm not you know uh, practicing Hinduism, but there's so many things to learn. There's so many life lessons and spiritual hits that can that have been fixtures in my life. And I wouldn't have been able to experience that if I was super Western and super fixed in my ways and not open to learning. Okay. And I think that if somebody's nomadic, 
dig in and just really see what you can grab because energy is transferable. You can get so many positive vibes and energy from anybody. Everybody has light in them, you know? Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing about light or serotonin or whatever we call it is that you can get it from being open to it. Right. And meeting people, even if it's uh, an old lady on the bus who's going to tell you something mm-hmm. interesting. It's fascinating what you can gather. Right. And, That's true. Yeah. That's beautiful. I like that. Yeah. Well, thank you. This has been cool. That's it? Yeah. That's all I got? Wow, that was easy. Of course. I mean, it's been about an hour. Oh, man. Okay. All right. All right, y'all. That is the end of my very first podcast. I really enjoyed interviewing and exploring the life of an expat that is out here doing dope things. I hope that this has sparked some sort of light inside of you or got your wheels moving and spinning in ways that feel energizing and empowering. Thank you again and keep shining, y'all.